podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Watt and Amy Canavan. Welcome to the show. This is the Axon Bulletin. Plenty to discuss. It's match day, Colin. Now, over the last week or so, it's been difficult to talk about football because other uh, stories have dominated the headlines. And obviously we are looking ahead to Neil Lennon's first game back in the dugout tonight. Um, Are we able just to get back to what we are meant to be good at? Um, Is this going to result in a managerial change that has been rumoured? What's your thoughts on tonight's game or is it just yet another game for Celtic to hopefully maintain the deficit not cut it down, but maintain the deficit um, in terms of this game in hand, this this three games in hand that people are saying, well, there's, there's nine points. Well, let's see. Let's see tonight. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, it's been a long time since we've actually won away at Livingston. Um, and looking at the pictures that have came out from the stadium this evening, they might be better at building snowmen and having a snow fight than playing football on that park. Um Apparently the game's going to go ahead. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't go ahead, considering that Livingston have had games called off already over the last couple of weeks because of that pitch. I think it was uh, waterlogged last week. I don't know how you can get a waterlogged plastic pitch. Um, this one's obviously looks as if Elsa from Frozen's just been there and spread all the snow everywhere. It's uh, it's certainly um something do you know what it's something to look forward to that is actually talking about football it's not talking about politics it's not talking about um things that are happening off the park it's not talking about um trips to dubai it's actually talking about the 90 minutes on the park it's about um what formation will we play what tactics will we play how can we get a win at a ground that we've not won at for years um, and it's actually getting back onto that subject instead of things that are kind of out with our control 
the thing with that, Colin, what I would say there is the only reason that we were still talking about that subject is because of the aftermath. And part of that aftermath was, you know, it was self-inflicted. It was the press conference that, that Neil Lennon came out and gave and then the aftermath of that as well, which is still rumbling on. So when you're doing a, a daily bulletin, you know, if there's a development on what's happened in Dubai, if there's a development on what's happened with the press conference, we will speak about it. We will also speak about the game. But that this is the thing, and I think this is one of the frustrations. Amy, I'll ask yourself if, if you agree with this. Peter Lowell came out and he was widely criticised for his apology um, on Celtic TV because of what came after the apology and he was criticised but I think there was a sense that at least this has happened at least an apology has been made can we possibly start rebuilding from there and I think the frustration for me was that the press conference that Neil Lennon gave set us back quite a distance then you're having to wait on responses from some of the clubs that he called out St Johnston and Hamilton and it's just a matter of time I'm thinking before uh, an even bigger authority comes back and hits back at Celtic so yeah it would be great to have that behind us Amy do you think that this is going to rumble on even further there are wider ranging consequences of the interview that Neil Lennon gave the other day I really do. I just think it seems to be the gift that keeps on giving right now. Um, like you say, it's one of those ones that I think we all were thinking, we're a little bit more hopeful that Lawwell comes out, whatever apology, if you want to call it an apology, he addresses the matter no matter what. And then Lennon yesterday, it was just all a bit contradictory. It was like, it was like he wanted and needed to get his tuppence worth in. Um, and I understand he wanted to back his players and back his, back his staff, back himself, back his decisions. But it just all seems, like I say, a little bit contradictory. And just, like you say, bringing us right back into the, the debacle that we sort of had hoped that we'd, we'd moved on from. Like you say, sort of hoping we could come in today just to focus on a Livingston if the game goes ahead. I'm not too far from Livingston. And if Livingston was called off last week, if I'm looking out my window right now, I'm not seeing any chance of the game going ahead tonight, especially with the forecast as well. Like you say, a, a plastic pitch or all-weather pitch can get called off waterlogged. You've seen the pictures today. It's it's thick snow out there. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. He just he just looked like a man lost, didn't he? And it was just, it was so, there was so much emotion there. There really was. You can't, you can't doubt that. Was it the right emotions though? I don't know. It just, he just really does seem a lost man out there. I've seen a lot of talk about a pylon. I've seen a lot of talk about everybody, you know, diving on this narrative that the the press have in relation to kicking Lennon when he's down. But what Neil Lennon should have done is, you know, avoided giving them as much ammunition, Colin. I mean, he gave them a lot of ammunition, you know. Uh, we've already spoken all week about the confrontational nature of that you know, how to win friends and influence people, that is the opposite. You know, going out there and having pot pot shots at everybody, all in sundry. And obviously a big part of that was the discussion this week. We wanted to get back to the football. There are other matters that we have to deal with, Colin, because during the, the press conference, uh, Neil Lennon and the rest of us found out that another player, had uh, tested positive for coronavirus. It's not been confirmed yet. You know, there's been a few names flying around, some eagle-eyed amongst us. Notice that Edward and, and Cham were not at the, the most recent training session footage that was released. Um, yeah, we're going to have another couple of players missing tonight, Colin, but sticking with the football, with that in mind, um, could you give us a predicted lineup if indeed it is Eddie and Cham who are going to be missing tonight? 
Yeah, so if we go on the basis that that is the players, and obviously we can't confirm that, that it's just what people have seen looking at the training videos, um, I would think that we would go with Barkas and goal. Um, I think that is Lennon's chosen goalkeeper um, out of the three options that he has there. You've seen that when he brought him back in for the Rangers game. I think that's the person he wants to go with. Looking at the back, sort of four, um, we'll see the return of Christopher Julian, hopefully, um, if he's he's fit. Higher. Uh, also, higher as well. Sorry, Julian's oh, sorry, out. Julian, Julian, Julian's out. Apo- apologies, yeah, Julian is out. Um, so we'll see the return of Christopher Ayer. Who will he be partnered alongside? I wouldn't want him to be partnered alongside near Beaton. Um, I don't think it's a, a right fit for Beaton to be playing in there. I would say that um, Ayer should be partnered alongside Shane Duffy or Stephen Welsh. If I was picking the team, I would pick Stephen Welsh. Um, but I think he'll go with Shane Duffy. I think Taylor might come back in at left-back. Um, I know that he didn't play um, the, the kind of couple of games there when everyone else is isolating, but I think he is the man to play left-back tonight. Frimpong will probably play right-back and we'll go back to the diamond formation in the middle of the midfield with Soro, Turnbull, uh, McGregor and probably Christie. And then I'd imagine up front, if Eddie is the man that is missing... I would expect Lee Griffiths to start and then it's between Patrick Clamalla and Albina Yeti to partner him. I think he might go with Ayeti. Interesting. I mean, one of the big things obviously has been the return of Ayer. He walks right into that team, doesn't he? Uh, but who's he going to be partnered alongside? There's so many questions all around that park. We had already spoken about, you know, when Welsh came in the first time round, Colin, and he basically just disappeared from the first team. Having given a, a decent enough account of himself, he just disappeared. Um, and, you know, the same thing's going to happen and people mock and cringe and throw things at the TV screen when you see it. But Anthony, Alston played pretty well I thought against Livingston and he's just probably yeah. going to disappear again it was a in good terms ball of a right back for, um, yeah. sorry I was going to say it was a good ball across for Okoflex unlucky not to put that in the back of the net you were screaming on a proper striker to be there to put it in the big thing as well it was um, when, I, when I suggested that Kevin said he's not the answer I'm not saying he's the answer um, what I'm trying to say is you know if you're going to go probably for the same reasons that you're bringing Taylor back and, and at left back, Colin, to play a, a flat back four. Frimpong for me, and I've said it all season, I don't I don't regard them as a right back. But the only right backs we've got is Zilhamid and Ralston and based on form, Ralston gets dropped. What does that say to him? Um, Welsh coming back in would be your choice, but you reckon Neil Lennon will go for Shane Duffy. Um, yes. What's your thoughts, What's your thoughts, Amy, on that lineup and some of the the probables, some of the kind of dilemmas that you might face? Obviously, if Eddie's out, who do you partner with Griffiths, for example? Yeah, that's a dilemma in itself, obviously. It does really depend on, on who is out. Um, again, the Welsh one is a dilemma. Getting dropped at the weekend, I'm still trying to get my head around that. Really don't understand that one. And then the other dilemma is the pitch itself. Um, that is the biggest factor when you're playing Livingston who can play on plastic who's great on plastic who's not great on plastic um, obviously Chris Iyer's going to walk right back into the side and you hope that again he's not the biggest fan of plastic Shane Duffy pff, no idea um, I would not like him on plastic to be honest with you um, so yeah I would go with Welsh but Lennon should have been the, I, don't, I don't know who I don't know if, if Lennon or Strachan how joint the decision was the other day for the, for the team against Livingston the first time round, but you would have this game in mind if it's going if it goes ahead. 
you would have it in mind. So you would play Welsh for continuity because you'd be thinking, right, Duffy can't play on plastic or whatever. I don't know. There just seems to be, like you say, there's a whole lot of questions about tonight. I'm not, don't oppose Collins' team. I'd, pref- I'd prefer Welsh in as well. Um, again, Christy on plastic, he's not had the greatest record at, um, at Livingston either with sending off and whatnot. Um, again, then do you revert to just having the one up top if it's Eddie that's out? Will he want to go Griffiths and Ayeti? Does he have that confidence in Ayeti or Klamala? Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of questions to be asked tonight if the game goes ahead. That's, I know I keep saying that, but um, I really don't know. I'd go I'd stick with Collins' team. I'd like to see Taylor in. Uh, I'd probably have Frimpong in as well. <laughs> Again, I know Ralston was probably the best player at the weekend, but I just... I just think he'll go for Impong, I really do, because why play the best player two games in a row? Why do that? Now, I think the, the wider question would be that there was two games there where obviously we've had to bring in a lot of youngsters and we spoke yeah. about the wider squad, everybody was on the bench, you know, we... 10 players under the age of 22 made an appearance and you know some of those players are, are established first teamers now the likes of Sorrow and Turnbull and indeed um, you know we're hopeful we would be hopeful to bring in another one in Edward but it sounds as though he might be one of the casualties when you look at the players that came in and we've discussed who made a good impact who do you think might be um, there, there might be some longevity uh, in keeping them in there it's interesting that you don't think neither of you think that any of the guys are going to uh, retain their jerseys tonight so Connor Hazard yes he was criticised against Hibs for flapping in much the same fashion that he did against Hearts in the final uh, to lose that late late goal he gets a clean sheet the following game, you're back out, Barkas is back in. And by the way, I think that's a certainty. I think Lenny will definitely do it. Um, will Welsh, partner Ayer, I probably think he, he deserves it, but I don't think he will. Um, I think he will be dropped and I think Duffy will keep his jersey as he you know, he played against Levy the other week. And by the way, I think it was one of the worst performances I've seen from Duffy against Livingston at home. I thought it was he was dreadful. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. And there's no hiding it. You know, somebody might say, well, get behind the team or support. You've got to look at the guys who are not performing. And I don't think Duffy uh, covered himself in glory. But one of the points you did make there, yeah, and also I also think I would be very surprised if Frimpong didn't start. I would be very, very surprised if Ralston did. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think Taylor will come back in, Colin. I think he'll stick with Luxalt. And up top, I think he'll go for one. I think he'll play Griffiths. Um, and he'll make room for Tommy Rogic in that side. Because, I mean, I, again, I was very unimpressed with Rogic over the two games. He's one of the guys that you're looking for with a bit of experience to try and assist and talk and shepherd the young guys through the games I don't think Roderick did any of that over the two games and what I find it quite interesting as well is remember we had that discussion Colin because you and I have various discussions about Ryan Christie and his, his effectiveness at Celtic and I said some time ago that Ryan Christie wasn't on a big wage at Celtic can you remember the conversation mm-hmm. and, I did, and I did actually allude to the fact that he was on less than 10 grand a week and people said no chance that, that's not the case I found it interesting when the, the list of players wages came out uh, I don't agree with it. I don't think it should have been published. I might be criticised for saying that because I said that Christie was under 10 grand. But I found that the disparity between the likes of Christie compared to like Tom Rogic, I found that alarming. 
you know, because you've got Tom Rodgick, who's one of the, the best paid players at Celtic, barely playing, and even when he does, if you know, sometimes he doesn't fancy it. Yeah, we see his twinkle toes from time to time, but is that enough? I don't think so. And then you see the kind of wages that the likes of Christie's on. I mean, Christie's on slightly more than Alf- Anthony Ralston, you know, and he, he surely should have been given a better deal. So when a player like Christie is criticised for apparently wishing to leave the club, I mean, he's never came out and said that, I don't think. I think his dad's maybe alluded to it. You then, you've got to look at the whole set of circumstances, Colin. The other issue I had with the list is that we're shelling out over 60 grand a week on three guys that are in on loan, only one of whom, Laxalt, is playing. So what was your thoughts when those figures came out, and particularly looking at the likes of Rodic, big, big wages, not really earning them, I don't think. Duffy, massive wages. El Yunusi, huge wages. And then you look at Christie, eight grand a week. What was your thoughts when that came out, Colin? And should we really review our process of bringing in loan deals when that kind of money? This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Could bring in a top-class manager. 60 odd grand a week. When you look at the loan deals, obviously that's a reflection on the wages that they're on at other teams, um, especially the likes of Shane Duffy and Mohamed el Um When you look at it, these guys are probably on £50,000, £60,000 down south quite easily, and Celtic's only having to pay half of that. And that's probably about the level that you would have to pay for a loan deal. So the fact that they're on £20,000 a week, that's what Celtic's paying. They're getting paid that again by their own club as part of the loan deal. So um, I, I don't really look too much into that. It could be spent better, but you're hoping that bringing the players in of that calibre, you're expecting them to perform, and we've really not seen that this season. Um, so it's it's a sort of catch-22 situation. It's the kind of wages you need to pay to attract those players, but if they're not performing for you, then you would think that by the time it gets to January, you'd be looking to kind of cancel those loan deals, um, and we've seen the discussion on that about Shane Duffy already. I think the player gets paid what they try and ask for from the club um, and that's probably why Ryan Christie's letting his deal run down I think he's only got something like 18 months left on his deal um, 
if he was really interested in staying at the club, you would think the discussions would be ongoing and he would be looking to bump himself up. Uh, I think he's on the same wage as Jack Hendry, which says a lot. Uh, I think he's on something like £8,000 a week as well. So it's it's a catch-22 situation, put it that way. Um, and what it does suggest to me is there's £60,000 worth of wages that if we um, were to put that back into our budget, could we then go and strengthen in January? Could we then go and strengthen the management team? We're only about, what, 10 days away from the window closing and it doesn't look as if we're going to have anyone coming in at this rate. Is it not interesting, Colin, that throughout the month of January we've barely spoken about transfers on this podcast and we go, we go out every day? I know. Um, now, I take your point and, and, you know, there was also a transfer window. I'll come to you in a moment, Amy, and ask you your thoughts on this. We did it before, remember, Burke, Wea and Tolyan came in, three players. And like you say, Colin, on massive wages elsewhere, massive wages. And what's happening is they're not taking a wage cut. Obviously, we're paying a percentage of their wages. I get that. But they would have probably been on similar wages to the three that I've mentioned this season. That is an outlay of £3.25 million a year. And I just think that whole setup is counterproductive. Now, there's two things I would say to that. Imagine getting a manager in for a, a £3 million salary a year. What level of manager would you get in at that level? A very, very good one. Um, but also, what does it do to the other players like those at the same kind of level as Ryan Christie? So Jack Kendry's away on loan and he was on the fringes of the team before he went on loan. Ralston's played one game in 18 months. So these guys are lesser paid players in the great scheme of things. Klamala's come in, I think, at four and a half grand a week. Um, you know, if he proves himself, I'm sure that would be looked at. But a guy like Christie, I mean, what does it, what does it do to the harmony within a dressing room? You know, when Duffy is tweeting out, Celtic pay all my wages, yet, you know, Christie's getting eight grand. I just don't think it's conducive to a happy dressing room because, let's be honest, footballers are certainly not robots and everybody knows what everybody's getting paid. You know what I mean? It's not always uh, sent around in a WhatsApp because the cleaners dug your wage slip out of a, a garage somewhere, as we've seen with Raheem Sterling. But I just think it's a mismanagement of our funds. Now, would we be talking about this if we were 21 points ahead in the league? Probably not. And I keep saying that. You know, we're, we are focusing on a lot of the things that we've done for a long time. Like I say, Toyan Burke and Ware came in before. It was probably on about 60 grand combined a week. We didn't question it because we won the league that season. We won a treble. You know what I mean? Amy, what's your thoughts on that? And, you know, shouldn't we have made more efforts to tie down Colin's favourite player, Ryan Christie, earlier than now? I'll be honest. I'd never, I never heard about the wages. I am, I'm totally taken aback by that. That Ryan Christie's only on eight grand a week. I, um, you know, in the last few years he's been tipped up for. He's been in, uh, if he's up for Scotland Player of the Year, sorry, and all these sort of things. Like he's been running ragged in the league. This season's probably his worst out in the last three or four, and that's saying, saying something considering that he's been probably one of Celtic's better players in the first half of that season. There, um, yeah, I'm, I'm completely taken aback by that. Um, like you say, 60 grand combined on, on the three loan players. Look at the calibre of manager you could be bringing in. Or even if you don't want to talk about a manager, because I know people don't like talking about it when Lennon's still in the job. Look at the other the different standards of players you could still be bringing in. Like you say, you've got Lax Salatons at least starting, but Ellie Nussie's off the boil and Duffy's Duffy. Um, it's it's crazy. I can't. I, I really can't fathom... Um, I don't know. 
thank God I'm not in charge of the wages. Put that way. Uh, that that brings to mind, Amy. Remember, you know, certain Celtic players make their way into common parlance. So if you're having a ready blinker, if you're having a ready, it means you're having a stinker. You've just yeah. made your own one up. You're having a duffy. If you're having a bad, if you're if you're having a bad game at the back, you're having a duffy. And uh, Celtic more than anything have certainly hibsed it. So we need a new saying for that this season. But it is one of these things whereby you've said there we don't want to talk about managers because Lenny's still in a job. I, I think we've got to talk about managers and I think the developments, the, the developments this week has shown more than at any other point that there really is um, a real fragmentation in amongst the club. Now I was feeling it before between the supporters because obviously the minute you criticise Celtic or Neil Lennon Colin, there, there's, a, there's a real feeling that um, you know, you're you know, almost like letting the club down, you know. But then the counter argument to that is that if you allow it to go as is, what is the result going to be? So if fans are looking for change and they do it in different ways, be that protests or banners outside uh, the stadium or they discuss it and debate it uh, on social media or on a podcast, I think what's true is everybody wants the best for for the club. What I don't like to see is fellow Celtic fans falling out about it. It's going to happen. It happened the last time there was some kind of uprising at Celtic uh, way back way back when. So when you're looking at the way that this this has been dealt with since, Colin, I'm going to come and ask you this question because, again, it does involve Ryan Christie. So, one of the things that um, Neil Lennon stated during his uh, press conference was, when speaking to Charles Patterson, I'm not going to give my um, players, you're not going to get access to my players. Now, what he meant was Sky Sports would not get access to his players until he got an apology from Andy Walker. Now, I don't know if he's had an apology from Andy Walker, but Ryan Christie has since given an interview to Sky Sports. So I'm guessing there's contractual obligations there or could it be that the message that Neil Lennon was delivering at that stage wasn't the club's message and that's a concern because obviously we know that there was contradictions throughout the interview that he gave Colin. What's your thoughts on these contradictions on the fragmentation within the club? I mean, I think it was well put by Kieran Devlin um, of the, the Athletic this week um, he posted an, an article which discussed this uh, press conference and he actually discussed that the board were caught off guard by what Neil Lennon came out and said. Um, it wasn't the agenda that the board had been trying to set this season and it wasn't the agenda which met um, the the kind of message that Peter Lawwell tried to give off in his um, kind of forced interview, if you want to call it that, earlier in the week. So it, I think it's, it's one person not telling the other person what to do at the minute, there's definitely a disjoint not just between the fans and the club but also between the management team and the the boardroom as well and it really does surprise me that we're kind of getting this far into the season and we've not heard anything concrete that suggests that Neil Lennon is under threat for his job. I know we, we speak about it on here and all the other podcasts do the same but Anything that's come out of Celtic this season's always been that we're fully behind the manager, um, and then when you see that and you see the dis, the, the kind of disconnect between the two of them, you just wonder what the relationship is really like. Um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I, I have a feeling that even if Celtic were to go and lose this game tonight, which I really hope we don't, I, I really want us to go on and win because um, it's now been three games that we've not won. I want us to go and win tonight, but even if we don't. I still think we'd wake up tomorrow morning and Neil Lennon would still be in charge. 
it was a it was a bit of a scattergun approach from the the interview, and a lot of people say that it was he was going down swinging. I don't even know if it was that. I think he wanted to try and get as many fans back behind him as possible, and you've seen that on social media. You speak about the the fallout between fans. Fans are either on the side of Neil Lennon after that interview, or they think that the interview was completely wrong and a disgrace. But you do see that divide. And Lennon has managed to get some people back on his side from that interview. A lot of people even in this chat are saying well done to Neil Lennon for the, the points that he came out with. So the Celtic support are as divided as they have been at any point this season. And it's a kind of sorry state of affairs that we find ourselves in. When you look at that, Colin, and we could discuss obviously the PR angle of it as well, which I'm sure will come into the, the chat. When you look at it though, Neil Lennon wasn't delivering Celtic's message. So is that because he decided to deliver his message? Um, and if so, the club looking at that, especially with the, the fallout in terms of Hamilton, St. Johnson coming out and saying, well, actually, I refute what you've said there. If the Scottish government come out um, strongly uh, and refute it. And then you've got three elements of that outburst from Neil Lennon being refuted, which means that he's given false information, inaccurate information. What does the club do then? Because that is, you know, reputationally, um, that's damaging the club within Scottish football, already has done with two clubs. The Scottish government is taking aim at them. He's basically said that they moved the goalposts in relation to the amount of players that we need to isolate because of the, the, the distance the social distancing, now the physical distancing. There's a suggestion that Celtic were to blame because the, of their own seating plan. So this is going to go back and forward. I don't think we've seen the end of it, Colin. Yeah, it would be brilliant to talk about the Livy game tonight and all that entails, but I don't think we've seen the end of it. But as a club, the bigger issue here is as a club, how do they deal with it? Do they deal with Neil Lennon? as part of this ongoing review, which has not yet concluded, but with every passing day, you're wondering when it will be concluded. Is it taking so long? Because there's a standoff between Neil Lennon and the club. Neil Lennon's on a 12-month contract. Um, are the club looking for him to walk? Is Neil Lennon standing firm because he knows that if he is sacked, he gets a year's wages? over a million pounds, reportedly. So, Amy, what's your thoughts on that in relation to the aftermath, the fallout? Have we heard the end? When, if at all this season, can we get back to talking about football? I think any time you get close to talking about football, then something will just pop up again. If it be that the government then give a response, it was obviously John Swinney came out just um, just earlier as well. So there's just I think it's just going to keep hanging over us. I really do. Because um, I think if anything was going to signal the end of it, it would have been Lowell's apology. Um, I know I, I said that earlier. But like you say, Lennon, that's not Celtic's message. It, it clearly isn't because um, it, it's contradictory. So it did just sound like he was, I'm not going to talk agendas or anything like that, but it was more like he was just talking on the basis of himself and, and protecting himself. Not everything that he said was wrong. There's, there's, um, there is issues there if, if what he's saying is true. But you can't, you've just, you can't completely commit to Lennon right now. You can't completely, we've not been given the whole picture. We're not. And I think that's the heart and bit as well. Like Lowell's coming out and then Lennon's coming out a few days later, but saying, oh yeah, but what about this, that and whatever. So that's never really been given a clear picture. I don't think as well Lennon was in the best state. Like he just, he sort of went rogue. Um, 
obviously like you never talk to the media when you're you're so fired up and it, it was clear that he was emotions were running high nothing wrong with that as well but was that the right place right time if, if he wanted to address his message which he's more than entitled to do was it the best place and the best time definitely not so I don't think it's the end of it. I really don't. Um, until there, there is severe clarity, and I think it's going to take for somebody, either the government or the club or Lennon or anybody, to fully commit and say, right, yes, I'm wrong, they're right, we're wrong, they're right. It's there's just it, there just doesn't seem to be like a full stop to it. Not in my eyes, anyway. No. The, the, the question, sorry, sorry, Paul. Just the question I would ask you, Amy. Right. So obviously you've worked. We spoke about it last week. You do the, the media stuff with Bonnie Rig. Now, if you were in that press conference and you were looking to ask the questions to, to Neil Lennon, how does that come across from that side, from the media side of things, when you see a manager reacting in the way that he reacts to the questions he's yeah. been asked? It really is each to their own. Um, I wouldn't get a kick out of that. Like some obviously would would want to press, try and get like a, you just some some uh, media outlets sort of they'll think right, we'll get a headline out of this. This guy's rattled up a little bit. Um, we'll make, we can make the back page tomorrow. We can probably even make the front page tomorrow if we get him to say something. It's just it's just like poking him with the stick, just trying to get something out of him. Um, and I do think that's what they were doing. You can see that he was. There's there's obviously. Every manager right now comes out and says, "Oh, they don't look at social media. They don't look at the papers." But that's not the case. It's impossible. Like it is physically impossible. There is no way that Lennon is not aware that Eddie Howe's been tipped for the job and odds have been slashed. And then, obviously, he's. I think he's now favourite for Newcastle job as well. But I think Bruce has got the back in there. It's all these things. He'll be aware that that all oh, this is going around him, and the media are obviously all aware of that as well. So it really. It, it, it really does depend on the individual that like you say, do I want to try and get a headline out of him or do you just say, right, this is a really struggling guy here? Because that's what he is. He was a struggling man on Monday and he did look lost. You know, when I look at the, the situation as a whole, what you've got there is you've got a message coming out from the CEO. You then have a message coming out from Neil Lennon and they don't add up. I mean, it's not a consistent message. I mean, there's, there's various inconsistencies between the two. Then you've got Callum McGregor coming out and saying that they didn't know how to manage a game, a game of football against Livingston at home. So what you're looking at there, as I say, it's, sort of, it's fragmented within. You've got the playing staff, you've got the management coaching staff, you've got the executive board level staff, and it's fragmented. So going back, and I'm going to have to go back to a time where I think many of us felt that the club were operated in a more professional manner. And you, we used to speak about the Holy Trinity. And when the Holy Trinity itself all worked together and were in tandem, we were an unstoppable force. And it was proven. And that's why we went on that great run that we, it looks as though it's coming to an end. But that quote was from a certain Brendan Rogers. Now, with hindsight, obviously, um, going through the tenure of Brendan, we've done it with a fine tooth comb, we were here when he left the club, we responded, we reacted, um, people are angry at him, they still are. I'm now looking at the situation and thinking to myself, he was within a club, not just Neil Lennon, because as I says, we've seen the fragmentation between the, the playing staff, coaching staff and the board level. He was in that club um, and I don't think that 
he was impressed with that. Now, we can certainly highlight the certain uh, transfers, Colin, that we've already spoken about. Castagne, Piccini, John McGinn, there's maybe others that we're unaware of, that may have, may have been the straw that broke the camel's back with that particular manager. But now we're looking at a situation where it's unravelling, and that's because, obviously, the conduct of the manager this week is night and day to the kind of conduct that I would expect from a Celtic manager and indeed we never really seen anything quite like that when Brennan Rodgers was in charge. Brennan Rodgers is now top of the EPL we are probably an unassailable distance away from the top of the SPL um, so when you're looking at that SPFL, when you're looking at that situation and you think how far we've dropped since he left the club um, that would then lend me to say, regardless of anything else, you know, the playing performance has been really, really woeful this season, but that professionalism has been lost at our club. I went as far as to say we're a laughing stock. We became a laughing stock because Spartak Moscow thought we were a laughing stock on Twitter, which again was unprofessional on their part. I mean, tongue in cheek's great, bit of banter on Twitter between clubs is great. Under the circumstances, it was really a, just a dig in the ribs at that point. I, that's why I, I would say, and I'm going to ask you the question, Colin, you say you're going to wake up tomorrow, no matter what happens tonight, Neil Lennon will still be in charge. How long do we let this go? Because this is spiralling. Every single week is getting further and further down to the point where how far do we go before you make that change? I don't think we can leave it any longer. There were strong rumours maybe at the beginning of the week that this was Neil Lennon's last game in charge. You don't think that's going to happen, Colin? No, I don't. What suggests that that's going to be the case? I mean, there's no evidence and the reaction from the board, from... Um, anybody above Neil Lennon to suggest that he won't be the manager come tomorrow morning. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, saying this will be a Mowbray moment, this will be a Mowbray moment. We've had about five or six of these Mowbray moments so far this season. Mm. I mean, getting knocked out of the League Cup by uh, Ross County should have been a Mowbray moment. Uh, drawing with St Johnston, which was a terrible performance. The Dubai trip, getting knocked out of the... Um, the Champions League by Fenech Faros even as far back as the start of the season there's been lots of these moments even mm. if you want to go back to last season we get taken to extra time by Dunfermline in the Betfred Cup which yeah. was one of the worst performances I've ever seen at Celtic Park I mean there's been a lot of evidence there before to suggest that if you were any other club on the run that we're on he wouldn't be the manager but I, I don't see anything changing and I suppose you... <laughs> And a, a small extent, you've got to commend that loyalty. If you're a manager and you're getting that sort of loyalty from the people above you, despite how poorly you've been performing, that's incredible. I mean, if I was performing that badly in my job and someone that was above me was saying, don't worry, you'll still be, you'll still be all right, that, that's the kind of support you're looking for. But when we're in a results-based business here in football, and the results at Celtic haven't been anywhere near good enough this season. They've not been befitting of the previous nine years. They've not been befitting of the, the stature that Celtic are. But yet, here we are. We could lose this game 2-3-0 tonight, and I believe that we'd wake up tomorrow morning and Neil Lennon would still be the manager. So, that then begs the question, Colin, what would it take? Because we're out of the league. We're out of the Champions League. We're out of the Europa League. We're out of the League Cup were miles off. And not just that, all the other sagas that have gone on, ranging from Bollingoli to Dubai and everything in between. What would it take then? Because, I mean, what else could you possibly do wrong as a manager? 
You've well, lost I, everything. I You've lost know. absolutely everything. What's holding What's holding the club back? Do you think? It's quite interesting. Like you had the interview earlier on in the year with John Barnes, and he spoke about a sort of unconscious bias that he, that was towards him. Um, and I don't agree with everything that John Barnes said, but I do believe that if John Barnes was a manager of Celtic Football Club and he was performing the way he's perform- the way that Neil Lennon's performing, he wouldn't be in a job. But I also think the same of that of Tony Mowbray. I think the same of Ronnie Dyla. There's a, a certain, I don't know if it's like a sort of um, emotional attachment to Neil Lennon amongst the, the boardroom at Celtic that they, they still think that he can turn it around. Uh, I don't know if it's the fact that the fans aren't getting into the ground so that you're not actually hearing the vocal support. Yes, there was the protests outside the stadium, but if 60,000 fans were at the, the game every week, I mean, I can't imagine what the atmosphere would have been like for that Livingston game the other day if we performed the way that we performed and made a full house. It'd be terrible. Um, I don't, I don't think there'd be a full house by this stage, to be honest with you. Well, that, that's another point that we'd bring up as well. But even listening to Scott Brown yesterday, Scott Brown came out and said that the, the players believe in everything that Neil Lennon said. I don't think Scott Brown's talking for the whole squad. There's absolutely no chance of that being the case. Um, but when you've got a captain that's backing the manager, when you've got a boardroom that's backing the manager, how can you be in the position of making change? And if he's saying that they believe everything that Neil Lennon said, then again, it's contradicting some of the, the content that uh, Peter Lobel put out. I was asking a question, Amy, because... You know, really, quite frankly, what else could go wrong this season? Um, and even if it did go wrong, would Neil Lennon still be in charge? Because there's a bigger issue here, the bigger issue being, of course, just around the corner is season ticket renewal time. And I made that point, Colin, because there's no way at this stage of the season, and it's all hypothetical, that if we were in this situation and we played Livingston last week, that you'd have 60,000 at Celtic Park. But... We are coming round to the point where, you know, many, many Celtic fans are looking for this reaction that Colin quite rightly says we don't seem to be getting at the moment. Um, what do you think is holding the, the board back from making any decisions at this stage? I think it must be a question. I, like, as, as Colin said, it's got to be something in the fact that it is the man that is Lennon. Because if it's Dyler, if it's Mowbray, if it's me or you, it's, it, we're, we're out. Um, it, is, it is Lennon and again and there's a bit of that that I understand because of what he's done in his 20 years affiliation with the club and he has done a lot of good like we cannot underestimate that um, and I do and I think I said that as well maybe last week I hope in time that this isn't what he is remembered for his legacy because he's done a hell of a lot of good at Celtic um, for the club player, manager everything in between so I think that is what's holding them back I think as well though it's probably one of these ones that the board just the board are just so disconnected with the fans. Like they don't care what what we think. Like they really don't. Like that is so evident. If they cared, Lennon would have been away by after the county game, not holding on to the sentimentality of the quadruple treble. It's, there's so many things we could recite back to that if the board cared, if the board reflected our opinion, that they, they would have acted before now. Um, I don't know what else is hanging on. Um, unlike Colin, I think. Like first and foremost, I generally I think tomorrow I think now Lennon will be in the job tomorrow because I don't think tonight will go ahead. But I do believe that if the, tonight went ahead, even if it was a um, a win lose or draw, I do think 
I do think Lennon would be out the door tomorrow morning. I really do. I know Colin saying what's evidence to back that. What's been the evidence to back anything this season, though? I don't think there needs to be evidence. Everything's just done spontaneously. I'm a little bit off the cuff. Do you think they're trying to throw a curveball in? So, yeah, I do think tomorrow is, they would just think, yeah, it's probably just a regular Thursday morning. Let's just go for it now. Um, I don't think there needs to be an evidence, but I generally do, I don't think the game will go ahead tonight. And I, that's why I do think Lennon will still be in a job tomorrow now. It does change everything that would have. Um, being put in place on Monday morning this week. The big thing I would say again, a couple more points before we get to the the comments coming through, but watching that interview was painful to watch for me. It was uncomfortable to watch. And that was because it was so emotive. It was so emotional coming from Neil Lennon. There does also come a point, Colin, where you say, we've got to do what's right for all parties involved. So you might have a section of Celtic supporters saying that Neil Lennon has to go. And by the way, you, you even find yourself not saying sack him because there is a loyalty calling and there is a respect for what he has done and what he has gone through for the club. But, you know, you don't say sack him. You, you know, there's time for him to go. It's, it's time for him to go. That's my view. It's the view of a lot of Celtic supporters. I know I don't speak for every Celtic fan. But then... There, there comes a point where you say, what's right for the supporters? What's right for the club? And what's right for the individual? Do you think also, Colin, that that needs to be something they have to consider once it gets to this kind of level where, you know, Neil Lennon was, was really just having pot shots all in sundry um, on, a, you know, on a platform that we all know he's having, a, he's having a go at the media because, you know, there's a narrative as far as Neil and others are concerned, but you're giving them the content to run with that narrative. You know, yeah. uh, so you've got to be cuter than that. Now he's got far more press experience than I'll ever have. Neil Lennon's given far more interviews than I'll ever give, but he has given ammunition there. So he needs to be better than that when he's performing as a manager of Celtic Football Club in a press conference. That would suggest to me that he isn't firing on all cylinders at this moment in time. He had 14 days, he had two weeks to prepare for that interview, and the first thing he did was demand an apology. No, that that was the wrong start to that interview. If if you get my opinion, you know, if if that's if you're asking me for my view on it, so there comes a point where it's best for all parties concerned. Are we at that point? Is that maybe going to be the tipping point, Colin, for the Celtic board to say, right, for the best best of everybody here, we're going to have to let you go. And the thing is, um, as horrible as this season has been, um, nobody wants the worst for Neil Lennon. If you remember the, the trophies that he's won as a, the, both as a player and as a manager, everybody wants him to be remembered for that. But the fact that we've got into this sort of farcical situation does damage his reputation slightly. You saw what happened um, at Rangers when Ali McCoyce became the manager now. One of the greatest of our strikers and then was basically hounded out the door because of his performances as manager. So that that's just the way football goes. And, and when I hear people say, oh, bring in Henry Glasson as the manager, I would hate that to be the case because if that ended horribly, I just can't I can't fathom what it would be like to see people actually slating him considering the, the legend that he was at the club. So it is a reputational risk that he takes. The thing about this with Neil Lennon is it's not the first time he's done it and it's not the first club he's done it at. Um, if you look at the stuff that he's done when he was down south as a Bolton manager, um, coming out and having these sort of scattergun interviews, he even did an interview as Hibs manager once where he uh, accused Bobby Madden of being pro-Morton. I don't even know if Morton fans are pro-Morton. It would be quite uh, quite a rarity to have a referee that was pro-Morton. 
Um, so these things happen, and it's not the first time that Neil Lennon's done it. I think for his own good, um, if I was in his position, I'd be looking to step away. I can understand that he doesn't want to do it because he might not know where his next job's coming from. He knows he's got a wage coming in. He still believes that he can turn that around. Uh, despite the contradiction in his interview the other day when he said the league might be beyond us, but we'll never stop fighting, but we're still on for 10 in a row. Um, it was a complete contradiction. Um, but I, I honestly still think, and I've said this many times on this show, I still think Neil Lennon believes he's the best manager to take us forward. And I think that he's one of maybe very, very, very few people that also believe that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, the other thing I was going to ask, I'll come back to yourself, Amy, is an interesting story or non-story in relation to Otson Edward. I think people have joined the dots here because uh, Real Madrid have got a French manager and they're talking about Eddie to Real Madrid. Um, do you think he will leave? I can't see it happening in January. Uh, and if he does, what kind of level are we looking at for someone like Edward? He's not had the best season, we all know that. Um, although, obviously, he has performed pretty well for the under-21s uh, France team. So, what was your thoughts on that story? A bit of a non-story, do you think, Amy? Just paper talk? I think it's paper talk. I'd like I'd like to think it's just paper talk. Um, Real Madrid is a bit a bigger shout than other clubs that have been been um, mentioned in recent times. I think that's a bit of a funny one. Again, like you said, French manager. Let's put the dots together. Um, I don't think he'll go in. Jan- well, I certainly hope he won't go in Jan- January. He's running out of time if he does want to go. Um, Law will definitely be loving this. No talk. Like you say, we've barely mentioned transfers. God, that's his dream. Um, so I don't see I don't see him going. I don't see a lot happening this January, to be honest. I do think that he'll obviously go in the summer to Real Madrid. I don't think so. I don't think yet. I think eventually. You just need to look at Dembele, though. That's Dembele's, obviously, just signed on loan with, uh, with Atletico Madrid. Is he even guaranteed a start right now? I don't know. He's going in. I think the Dembele one's also an odd move, going in with Suarez and Joel Felix there. Um, I would still, I prefer Dembele to Edward. Uh, I know some people would still prefer, they think Edward's a more complete player. I, I personally disagree. I don't think he's going to jump right from Celtic to Real Madrid. I really don't. I think there'll be a smaller club, bigger than Celtic, smaller than Real Madrid. There'll be a middleman. Um, and then if, if things go well there, then yeah, obviously sky's the limit and Real Madrid can, can go call in again. But I can see him going to Italy or I can see him going to France, something like that. But I don't see him jumping straight to, to Real Madrid. Not at this stage. Interesting point. You know what, Paul? Sorry, Paul. It feels like one of those things that you see on Twitter when it's like, pick the first letter of your first name and pick the last number of your phone number and it's your transfer rumour generator and it's just pulled up Edward to Real Madrid um, I, I've actually heard that he's been more linked with moves down south and uh, the person who's actually quite reliable for West Ham transfers who is apparently an ex-employee down there and broke the news of Albin Ayeti's move to, to Celtic has suggested that um, he's been linked with a move to West Ham and I could see that happening Um and I do think that this might be the time that Celtic decide to cash in on him. 
Well, the Hammers certainly need a, a centre forward, don't they? So that that would certainly would make sense. And I agree with you, Amy. I think that would be a, a wiser kind of move. And I don't think West Ham are a bigger club than Celtic. They're playing no. in a bigger league. So I think you'll see that as a platform to maybe that next move. Absolutely. Um, one last thing before we get into the comment section, because obviously we don't want to uh, take the entire hour up by chatting. Uh, we need to throw this out to the, those who tune in. The Brennan Rogers thing. Now, obviously, they beat Chelsea. That was the first team he's ever beaten Chelsea, Colin, right? Just, just, I'm going to ask you your opinion on something, right? Chelsea, you know, Frank Lampard, he's under pressure at the moment, isn't he? They've not won in something like eight games, right? Now, that's going to be a, a managerial merry-go-round. It always is down in England, right? If he was to lose his job and they offered that job to Brennan Rodgers, whilst Brennan Rodgers is at the top of the league at Leicester, would he go? Would he go to Chelsea? I mean, it would be a return for him. He was the assistant manager, I think, there under Jose Mourinho at one point. He was the the reserves manager as well. So, um, is it a step up for him? It would be interesting. Um, I think Just, they generally do have they do have a good chance of winning the league this season. I generally think that Leicester squad are capable of winning the league only because all these teams with the, the sort of world class players they're just not turning up. I mean, you take a look at Manchester United. Six months ago, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was favourite to get the boot from that job. They brought in Bruno Fernandes, and from that point onwards, they seem to have went on this run. Um, Liverpool, with all their star players, are they're falling injured. Chelsea have spent like nearly two hundred million this summer, and they've done absolutely nothing. City are only just starting to get some consistency back. You just couldn't write Leicester off winning the league. Now, I know he left Celtic with the chance of winning the Scottish League. Would he do it again if Leicester had the chance of winning the league? I don't think he would. You don't? You don't? No. That was a long way around to give us the answer, Colin. I thought you were going to sit in the fence. Amy, do you think he would? No, I'd prefer that uh, Leicester squad instead of the Chelsea squad. I think Colin's spot on right now. You look at that Chelsea team spent something like 220, 212 million in the summer there. You've got big players, um, massive wages, massive money moves, and they're not performing. I'd much Give me James Madison any day of the week and also give me James Madison in a post-match interview any day of the week. So, no, I think he's, at the, he's probably at the best possible club right now. They're playing great football, playing... Chelsea off the park last night that's um, as, as a complete a performance as you'll get so no I'd take Leicester any day over that Chelsea side Alright well let me just kind of like frame it differently then Colin even if and it's not unthinkable but even if Leicester were to win the league do you think he's capable of winning the Champions League with Leicester and do you think he would be capable of winning the Champions League given the, the, the difference in budget if he was to go to a club like Chelsea could he um, actually first of all I just want to say I hope nobody takes that clip of what Amy just said give me James Madison any day of the week you know it's going to happen it's going to happen (laughs) Um, but genuinely he doesn't have the squad at Leicester I think to win the Champions League I don't think that um, any English team are actually capable of winning the Champions League this season I think if you take a look at um, the German sides like Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund they are certainly far and above anything that's in the English league. Uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid really haven't turned up this season. I don't mean this season. I, I don't mean this season. Being no, at a club, being at a club that he could win the Champions League with, he could. Uh, for me, he couldn't do it with Leicester. He could do it with no. Chelsea if he spends his money wisely. I mean, you've seen what he done at Liverpool. Some of the signings that he made when he was a Liverpool manager were absolutely atrocious. 
guys like Mario Balotelli. I mean, that's not going to win you a Champions League. Well, you'd think that he's probably changed over the time and he's, the signings that he's made at Leicester are definitely an improvement. But I think with that extra budget, trying to bring in the right players, I don't know. There's a good squad there at Chelsea. They just need the right guidance to get them there. What I think will be interesting, Colin, is if he does lose his job, Frank Lampard, I bet you Rodgers is his favourite to take over. Um, let's have a look at some of the comments coming in. IH Decorate and welcome back to the show. If you are like IH Decorate and watching us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe for us, like the video, because you know what happens is there's plenty of people who don't like the video. And I'm not even sure they watch it. I'm not saying that, you know, every single time the show is so good that nobody's going to give it the thumbs down. But Colin, you know um, how it works in here with regards to comments and certain people who watch this who have no interest in Celtic whatsoever. Neil Lennon embarrassed himself and the club with his tantrum and finger pointing yesterday. A litany of excuses to mask his failures this season, overseeing the worst title defence in my lifetime. Now, this goes back to something you were saying, Colin, whereby you have a huge amount of people who totally agree with that, but then you're up against a wide section of the Celtic support who think that what Neil Lennon did in that press conference was right. It's about time someone stood up to the media. It's about time someone stood up to the Scottish government. I think, you know, someone even says to me, you need to read the transcript. Well, I've seen the interview. I've seen the interview. I know what the content was now then someone said you know but the words are more important than the way they're delivered but they're not because in communication I could say to you I didn't say you stole the money Colin or I could say I didn't say you stole the money and the two things mean completely different you know they've got different outcomes so the way you deliver it i.e. the way Neil Lennon delivered it was wrong and and Mm -hmm. so you can't just look at the words in isolation you've got to look at the interview and the way it was delivered the confrontational manner in which it was delivered which is unprofessional so I'm and I've made this clear I agree with IHD creating on this one Um, but you do have a lot of Celtic fans who I believe Colin will always stand up for Neil Lennon no matter what happens I think when you take a look at the the transcript obviously if you speak about how it was put across. If it was put across in a different manner, maybe we would be looking at this slightly differently. But for me, the, the kind of telling thing was that Neil Lennon came out on the defensive right away. Um, he was asking Charles Patterson to ask Andy Walker a question, asking him who he represents, asking him why he's this beacon of the Celtic support, as he put it. Um, and then I think it was also poor timing on Celtic's behalf to interrupt the press conference to let him know that there'd been another positive case. I don't think that helped things at all. Um, If they only just got that information, tell him after the press conference. Don't come in and interrupt him and do something like that because that's a terrible bit of news to be given to a manager that he's potentially going to lose a player for the next couple of games. There's no need to do that. Let him do the press conference and discuss that afterwards. But when that happened, you could feel the change in the demeanour of Neil Lennon. It was at that point where the answers started to get really sarky. I mean, his response about the uh, the ongoing January review was really poor for me. The fact where he turns around and says, um, there's, there's um, news in the press that you're going to stay on till the end of the season, he turns around and says, well, that's great for me, isn't it? Does, that's not the way that you want a, a manager to behave, and that's childlike. It was completely unprofessional. Um, 
would it have been different if he didn't get given that bit of news? We'll never know. But it was a complete car crash from start to finish. The transcript does make it look better, but having watched it, having listened to it, um, it's just really poor and it's not the kind of situation you want to find yourself in considering how this season's went. Red Scotland um, again coming in on YouTube Mrs Jim Simonetti and Stevie from The Rock now a wee update Jim Simonetti obviously is hugely involved in fact he runs the Jimmy Johnson Academy and the Charitable Trust and he is dedicating his time to uh, those endeavours and obviously we wish Jim all the best and that's why you haven't seen Jim on the screen for a while Stevie from St Rocks I spoke to Stevie this morning and Stevie is still our regular pundit on a Thursday but obviously we can't travel at this time and he's no great on the old uh, technical side of things he'll admit that himself but Stevie will be back uh, sooner rather than later so hopefully we will see um, Stevie Mullen very very soon now Stephen Doherty West Ham all over him if for example like what Colin suggested Amy Eduard was to go to a team like West Ham managed very effectively it's got to be said by Davy Moyes um, how well would, would he do at that level do you think do, do you think he could tear it up down there tear it up maybe not the expression I would use um, but West Ham would be laughing we'll give you a Yeti we'll take Eduard Um I don't know if tear it up. I think he definitely, I think at that level, he's got, he'd have a good side. He'd, uh, Michael Antonio, I think he'd, he'd link up really well with him. Uh, I think that's the sort of player that he needs, a bit of physicality, a bit of pace. He definitely, like, come on, we know Edward would, would, do, would do more than okay down there. Um, West Ham, I can probably see see that, that working, yeah. Like you say, I know earlier I said, oh, go to a bigger club again. West Ham are a bigger club in Celtic, but it's the money. It's the money move, isn't it? Um, there you go. It's definitely not Real Madrid. Um, I, I, I can. I'd, I'd like to see him go somewhere a little bit bigger than West Ham, purely so it does because I just don't see that as a step up from Celtic. Obviously, financially it is, but I don't know. David Moyes is, a, is an attractive manager, probably right now. He's doing, like you say, he's tactical genius down there. So. Um, if that's what he fancies then how he goes the big thing again Amy I'd see an opportunity there in what you said because I totally agree I think the way Moyes is um, operating down at West Ham is very very impressive it seems as though he is building something similar to he has before I mean, there was a period of time he leaves Everton he goes to Man United then it was you know various jobs before he seems to be settled now um, at West Ham but what I would say is if we were to have gone for him when he went to West Ham, you know, loads of Celtic fans would have been kind of underwhelmed by that appointment, wouldn't they, Colin? I mean, it's all about perceptions. Would he have done a good job? Who knows? But look at the job he's doing down there. You know, look at the job he's doing down there. He's done a fantastic job down there and West Ham are one of those sort of quiet giants of this of the game down in England. They're a team that have had success in the past um, and for a long time they've sort of been yo-yoing between the Premiership and um, the Championship. And especially, I think they've just sold their striker, Sebastian Aller, to Ajax for £25 million or £21 million. So I think Edward coming in would be a good replacement for him. Um, it would be absolutely devastating to see him go, especially the way this season's went. Um, and it would just be another example of the way that we've kind of went about our business. Uh, but he would probably be a good fit for them down there. And any of the Hammers fans um, that watch the show will probably agree. Twenty-five million. Would you be happy with that, Colin? If indeed he does go, 
I mean, it's obviously a good investment back on um, the nine million outlay. There's a lot of discussion over uh, what PSG will get as a sell-on. Um, but you know, the fact where I don't think you'll sign a new contract. If you let him go, the longer you let him go, the less money you're going to get back for him. If that's the kind of money you're going to get, then that's what you you uh, you're looking for. And yeah, you probably would be happy with that. With Eighteen months left on his deal. Now, Hasboy1888, what's going on in the world? Messi red carded, Lenny losing his rag, what next? Lowell on Ascom. Axel, yeah, well, actually, everybody will know that we made an offer. We tried to get Peter Lowell in. Uh, there was a financial incentive whereby the money would go to charity. Uh, we were promised an update in January. But again, there seems to be a thread developing because we are waiting on a few updates this January. So, yeah, I think Peter Lobo's probably got a few other things to deal with before he gets back to us, but we are continually chasing that interview because we were given some positives when we requested it from the club. We've gone through the correct channels. We've gone through the PR channels, Colin. So let's see what happens there. But, uh, you know, there are a few others in the mix. You know, a Celtic State of Mind, you know, actually started up as, a, as an interview-based podcast. We did, I think it was an interview a week, and we interviewed loads of interesting people, including the aforementioned John Barnes, uh, which was quite a good interview. Uh, I've still got the visuals for that, actually. I never ever released them. Maybe I should dig them out. I've got Barnes, obviously, the call that was made at that time. So, yeah, there are others in the pipeline for a Celtic State of Mind interviews that we'll, we'll bring to you, and we'll put them out um, beyond the bulletin. So it's no really a, a debate as such or the topical items on Celtic's agenda it's more a look back on certain careers of those with a Celtic state of mind so yeah we will be doing that as uh, the season progresses and perhaps we'll have a few during the pre-season as well now what I would uh, advise is that you know you're watching us on Periscope Twitter Facebook YouTube if you are then Give us a follow. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Like the video for us. We're trying to build this channel up so that we can provide even more free content. It's always a pleasure uh, to discuss Celtic with our uh, great team of pundits. So all that's left for me to say is thank you, Amy Canavan and Colin Watt, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today.
When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.